be carrying on with our theme, charismata, which means it speaks of the gift of grace or gifts of, of grace. Uh, so those of you who missed last week, so you're going to jump in with us in gift number three, but you're welcome to go and download the sermons um, on, it's on iTunes and all the podcast platforms. And um, just a few introductory notes, we've already spoken about that yesterday. So we see from the offset in Acts, so the Acts is basically, it shouldn't read the Acts of the Apostles, because often people would speak of, of Acts, the book of Acts, as the Acts of the Apostles. It should actually read the Acts of the Holy Spirit. So we see from, from, the, from the outset that Jesus, after he ascended into heaven, he gave the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's the first gift, but then through that gift, many other gifts come. You, last week I used the example of my grandma, or my kids' grandma, would arrive at, a, at the house, and she's the, the greatest gift to the kids. They love her, but then also with her, she brings other gifts, usually, and it contains usually a lot of sugar. So the Holy Spirit's like like that. It is the gift because it represents the presence of God. It represents God Himself. And if you were brought up like me, we often we would worship the Father. We'd say worship. We worship the Father. We worship the Son. But it would be difficult to say I worship the Holy Spirit because we 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 don't have language for that. We don't have a culture of understanding that the Holy Spirit's actually very God. He's not a spooky ghost thing that might interfere with the service, might tell Tammy to roar like a lion, and that might be weird for you. No, that's not who the Holy Spirit is. He is very God. So from the outset, we see that Holy Spirit's being poured out, Acts 2, and then gifts start manifesting. Normal fishermen, they were walking with Jesus. Peter, who denied Jesus three times in Acts 2, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, he stands up. So that's 50 days after he denied Jesus three times. So he can't even say to a servant's girl, hey, I'm with Jesus. He cannot say that. But the Holy Spirit gets poured out, and with boldness he is filled, and then he stands up, 3,000 people get saved. So think of that transformation. So what is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, first of all, is God, but it's the indwelling presence of God. That's our greatest, greatest gift. We see in Acts 19, for instance, Paul placed hands on the disciples, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and they start speaking in tongues and prophesied. Supernaturally, they start using languages that I don't understand, and they start prophesying, which is very odd if you are an Israelite. Only the prophets, and every now and then a random guy would also speak in the Spirit, but it is very odd for a normal person to start prophesying or speak in a different language. So the Holy Spirit's the gift, and then He also brings along many other gifts. So our text passage for, for this month is 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 11. And Paul's saying, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, 
I do not want you to be ignorant. In other words, there is knowledge to be gained. There is an understanding of the gift that we must have. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And I made this point last time. So some people are asking, do I have the Holy Spirit? Don't I have the Holy Spirit? If you can say Jesus is Lord, you have the presence of the Holy Spirit in you. When you're born again, you have the presence. But what we are after is that relationship that ultimately overflows in an anointing that you can move in all nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because we need this. We need this. It's a, it's a skill that supernatural deposit, heavenly skill that God wants to give to each individual believer so that you can be more equipped to do what God has called you to do. And that's not only for this space, but it's for the business space, it's for the education space, it's for raising kids, being a great mother, father, it's for all the spheres that we have influence over. Verse 3, therefore I make known to you that Sorry, verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So if you start developing this gift, and often when people think of, hey, I have a gift, I must develop this, they think, well, it's selfish. No, it's for everybody. If you're not... If you're not stewarding the gift that God has given you through the Holy Spirit, you are actually neglecting your responsibility towards your community. It's like a rugby team, but the, the guy who is prop, he never, he never does his squats properly in the gym. You're neglecting your responsibility to the, towards the rest of the team, towards the church in this case. But the manifestation of the Spirit, verse 7, is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom, we looked at that last time, through the Spirit. To another the word of knowledge, through the same Spirit. And now today we're going to start at verse 9. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but one and same And the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. So the Holy Spirit, He wants to. He he wants to activate these gifts in in our midst. And it's interesting that you have in Galatians 5, you have nine fruits of the Spirit. And then you have nine gifts of of the Spirit. So today we're going to look at the gift of faith. Last week we did wisdom. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. And today we're going to look at the gift of faith. It is a supernatural ability to trust God beyond what is humanly possible, often resulting in miraculous outcomes. The gift of faith speaks plus or enacts the miracle. So it is a faith that is stirred in you by the Holy Spirit, and then you speak the faith, you speak the miracle, and then you enact the miracle. 
So you'll see there's, there's overlap with the gift of faith and the gift of miracles and even the gift of, of prophecy. So it's a supernatural ability to just trust God. And some of you would experience this in, even in business meetings or in, in, your, in your family. One person would say, or everybody would say, the, hey, this is impossible. And somebody would stand up, I just sense it is possible. And some, and some people won't recognize that this is actually, it's a spiritual thing happening here. There's somebody not moving from moving with the facts that's available to him, but he's moving. People often refer to that, hey, I just have a gut feeling. No, sometimes that's the Holy Spirit. It can be just a gut feeling, but sometimes it's the Holy Spirit. We can do this. Wife, I don't know, but God's saying and sense this is what we need to do. We need to give everything towards this specific purpose. We, we need to just give it all. I'm going to empty what we have, and we're going to give it all to this purpose. And your wife's like, this is stupidity. Go and ask your accountability. Get some wise counsel. But if you are in line with God, sometimes God will move you beyond what he makes common sense. And he will tell you to move in the supernatural so he can be glorified. Amen. So just a few examples. It's, it's David telling Goliath. So everybody is afraid of this Goliath. He's been challenging the Israelites for a couple of days. There David rocks up as a shepherd boy. And he says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and I cut off your head. But in a way, that seems arrogant. And his brothers actually thought it was arrogant. But David had a gift of faith. And he said, hey, I'm just going to do it. And, and I like that he's not only saying, I'm going to kill you. He says, hey, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to cut off your head. And what did David do? He did it. But we also see in David's story, it's actually a beautiful story in how to develop and steward the gift of faith, is that he's saying to Saul, listen here, I've killed the bear. I've killed the lion. Surely God will help me to kill Goliath. For everybody else, it seems impossible, but he taps into a wisdom that's beyond what makes sense, common sense, and he steps out and he actually does it. Often the gift of faith is killed by this. People saying, but that is not wise. Because we define wisdom, we need to be cautious. God defines wisdom. What did, how does God define wisdom? It's the fear, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. Not the fear of man, not the fear of the consequences, not of the fear that what might happen to you, how you might look if this doesn't play out. No, it's the fear of, fear of God. So the gift of faith is something that God wants to stir in us because then he will be glorified. We know Daniel's three friends, Sedrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they get thrown into the fire. And before they get thrown into the fire, they say this to the king. 
God will deliver us out of your hand, O king. And then they actually, they then add this. And even if he doesn't, we will still not worship your idols. And what happens? An angel appears with them in the furnace and they get delivered. The gods throwing them into the, furnace, into the fire, they die, but they don't die. It is, it is the, it's a faith. So faith, where difference from miracles is it, it's you speak in faith and then you actually do it. Like, hey, throw us into the fire. We won't die. And then probably the best example, Jesus coming underwater, walking to Peter, to the disciples on the boat, and then Peter says this, Jesus, tell me to come to you underwater. So Peter is saying, I want to go underwater, but hey, Lord, if you speak that, if you speak the word, I, I have faith that I would be able to do it. So Peter is not only saying, I can walk in water. He says, hey, Jesus, if you say I can walk in water, I will do it. The gift of faith. And then Acts 28, 3 to 6, Paul is stranded on the island of Malta. They're making a fire. So this guy, from, from, from the people's perspective, he looks doomed. He's cursed. They... Their boat shipwrecked. He's on the island. Nobody knows what he's doing there. It just looks like a horrible situation. And then a python comes out of the fire and then gets stuck to his hand. What did Paul do? Just shook off the, the python and threw it into the fire. And with, with faith, he just made it, made it as nothing happened. It's a gift of faith. You just say, hey, python's not going to kill me. I'm just going to go for it. There's a story of John, John G. Lake in the beginning of the 19th century. There was also what they called the black flu. And everybody's so scared of, of this black flu. So people would die, but nobody wanted to carry out the corpses from the houses. So he said, he and his disciples, they will do it. Statement of faith, they will do it. Why? Because God's Holy Spirit is stronger than a virus. So they took the corpses buried them, and that's what they did. And then journalists came to him and said, how, how can you do that? Aren't you afraid of dying? And he said, you can take some of, my, some of my DNA, some of my flesh, and you could put it under a microscope, and you'll see how the virus dies under the microscope. And they did it. And it happened. Because he was saying, if the Holy Spirit is in me, who conquered death, then surely it can conquer a virus. The gift of faith. So do not allow for the gift of faith to be quenched in your life. And sometimes, and in, in, in people that operate in the gift of faith, it's great to say, hey, let's go after the gift of faith. But they're very, very, very challenging to be around. Our pastor who planted shofar, the movement, Fred May, he was prophetic and he had the gift of faith. And he would say stuff in meetings. And I am I'm quite optimistic and I, I feel like I can see the big dream and the big vision. But for me, it was quite challenging 
sitting in those meetings. So he, he just from the stage when Angus Buchan had a meeting before the whole Faith Like Potato, Potato Movies came out, he said, Angus Buchan's going to fill stadiums in South Africa. And we're all like, whoa, 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 don't say that. <laughs> don't say that. And what happened? Movie came out, it became famous, and they filled stadiums. So challenging to be around people with faith because it actually reminds us of our unbelief. The Christian faith is built on these stories, these supernatural, miraculous stories. Whether it's Moses going through the Red Sea, or Noah's Ark, or David killing Goliath, or Peter walking on water. And we're just comfortable with living these mundane, ordinary, normal lives. And then suddenly somebody comes along and says, hey, the whole of George must get saved. Are you in? And we're like, whoa, 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 we've tried this now for the last 20 years. It's not going to happen the next year. So let's trust the Lord to remove unbelief and move into the gift of, of faith. Next gift is the, is the gifts of, of healing. It must be plural, gift of healing. It's a supernatural ability to heal physical, emotional, or spiritual ailments through prayer or laying on of hands. Healing might be gradual or dramatic, might even include medical intervention or lifestyle changes. Okay, Very, it's, that's important. So God can use the doctors also. God can use your discipline. So um, Anna Maria has a great story of if she was struggling with something, and then she prayed and asked the Lord for, for a word of knowledge. God, I want to be healed. I've now prayed for my healing, but nothing happens. And then God gave her the exact thing that's wrong with the body, and then she went to the specialist and said, I believe this is what's wrong, and they treated it, and she was healed. That's, that's a, it's a healing that took place through the word of knowledge, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and you also see how they operate together. Sometimes God will just get somebody to lay hands on you and the person looks you in the eye and say, hey, cut out sugar for the next two months and you're going to get healed. It's a prophetic word, but it's also a gift of healing in a way. But the healing that's, that we most often find in the Bible is where God uses somebody or Jesus speaking to somebody and say, hey, you are healed. And most often it happens instantaneously. So when I pray for healing, I always trust for that instantaneous healing. Because I see that's what Jesus does. Even when we do deliverance. So deliverance is, in a way is healing. It's healing of your soul, healing of your spirit. We see in Acts 10.38, it speaks of Jesus who healed all that were under the power of demons. So healing is often connected to deliverance. So we're trusting the Lord in that moment. You say, in the name of Jesus, live, and the healing must happen. So they're gifts, different gifts of healing. So a couple examples. First healing we see in Genesis 20 verse 17. Abram comes to the king Abimelech, and he says, hey, this is my sister. You can take her as, my, as your wife. So he does that, and then a curse came over him. 
And then God speaks to Abimelech, but also to Abram. And then Abram prayed and God healed him, his wife, and his servants. It's a healing. In 2 Kings 4.34, and now we're going to look at the different methods that God uses to heal people. Elijah lay on the boy to receive healing. So he's fully stretched out on a boy. This might look weird. Fully stretched out on a boy. But what happens? What's the fruit? There's healing. Imagine a prophet that you don't know from a bar of soap comes into your house. Your kid's sick and he stretches himself out on the boy. Especially in our context. We won't take that. But then God heals the boy. Naaman had to dip himself in the Jordan seven times. He thought, wow, that's a stupid thing to do. And he was full of pride. He didn't want to do it. Eventually he does it and he gets healed. Jesus used saliva and mud to heal a blind man. Spuch. Imagine that. We see in Acts 19 that handkerchiefs and aprons healed people. Not even the person. So do not put God in a box. I like there's a story of Albert Einstein and um, Francis Bacon and they had a conversation. Albert Einstein said, God doesn't play dice, which makes sense. And then Francis Bacon says to Albert Einstein, do not tell God what to do. Sometimes we just be very open-minded. Hey, okay, God, this is weird. Tammy comes to me and says, hey, oh, I need to release a roar. I'm like, yo, okay, Tammy. But I don't know what that roar does in the spiritual. I would rather be obedient and look like a fool than not try it at all. There's a story of Smith Wigglesworth. There's a person who's already half dead, and God tells him to put his fist into the person's stomach. And then the person falls down. Everybody's thinking, well, now the person's dead. (laughs) And then he screams, and he says, no, he's healed. And he stands up, and he's perfectly healed of whatever stomach thing he had. Just weird. It was cancer. Just weird. But if I'm struggling of, and I'm, I have, if I have cancer and somebody tells you or God tells you to come and hit me in the stomach and then after that hit, I'll be cleaned of cancer. Please come and do it. Even if you need to hit me through the face. I'll, I'll take it. In James 5, we see that elders oil, the anointing with oil and a prayer of faith will, will heal. So different gifts, and God is wanting to release that. So th- something that I, I want you to want to challenge you on is often we go the medical route. So don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying medicine is bad. I'm not saying that the, all these doctors that, that are involved in our community should get another job. All I'm saying is, let's go first to God, and then we go the medical route. Too many of us, the first thing we do is we go for that panadu, or that, or that discipline. 
all, all the antibiotics. And what we are doing is we're just, we're just stimulating our unbelief. So something that I've trusted in my life for is, and I'm pursuing that with healthy lifestyle, healthy eating, is that I don't want to go onto antibiotics, for instance. So for the last 12 years, I've not been on antibiotics at all. And, and yes, my wife often challenges me with this, and my dad also challenged me with this. Um, do not be full of pride. Sometimes you just need to go to a doctor and you need to sort it out. Go to the fissure. I had a problem with my ITB. I didn't want to go to the fissure. I was praying for it. I was doing all the stretches, trying to figure out, get God, heal it, and it didn't help. Then I went to Hanukkah once, and it was perfectly fine after that. So, but let's trust the Lord. Because what's going to happen if God heals your headache or your toothache? Then you're going to be built up in faith, not in the medical profession, which is great, by the way. But you're going to be built up in your faith towards God. And that's what we want. Because we want to see cancer disappear. We want to see those diagnoses that the doctors say, it's impossible to get healing of this. To be healed. You can ask Natasha over there. She was diagnosed with epilepsy. She got healed of that. So let's trust the Lord for that. And then you also have angels appearing to little little boys. And the angel can ask Christian the story. And, and God's appearing to her. How old is Toby? Six years old. And, and in a dream, the angel says, do not be afraid. Tomorrow you will wake up and you will be healed. And the healing is there. But the unbelief is still there in the parents. The healing was there. It manifested. But they're like, hey, oh, we need to pray now for unbelief. God wants to rid us of unbelief. He wants to get us into place of of faith so all of these are available through the holy spirit not through your personality not through your talents or your giftings but through the holy spirit some of you might have an affinity for the gift of faith the gift of prophecy or the word of knowledge and then go after those things but just know that god can use you in any one of these because it says, like the Holy Spirit wills, as the Holy Spirit wills. So gift of, the gift of healing for me manifests in Matthew 4, 23, 24. speaks of Jesus, went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. This is the Jesus that we are following. This is the Holy Spirit in action through Jesus, the same Holy Spirit that got poured out unto us as believers. All of these diseases got healed by Jesus. And then the gift of working of miracles. 
You'll see there's some overlap with the gift of faith here. A supernatural interference with nature or the course of events, resulting in extraordinary and supernatural outcomes. Some miracles are signs that make you wonder. And I add this because, again, we cannot limit God. We have people in our congregation, they would pray, worship in a meeting, and then gold dust appears on their hands. I don't understand how that works, how that contributes to the kingdom, but it's true because many people have confessed to me that they have similar experiences. One person had received a diamond while praying and just in presence of the Holy Spirit, had it tested, and it was a real diamond. So God can do whatever he wants to. And it makes you wonder, hey God, what are you up to here? So let's look at a few examples. Moses, he actually gets given the gift of miracles by God. He says, God says to him, do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I've put in your power. His staff turns into a snake and then his snake eats up the magician's snakes. The magicians also had power. Remember, if God does something, the devil's going to copy that. But I love the fact that Aaron's staff that turned into a snake then ate up the snakes of the magicians. Beautiful story. Moses parts the Red Sea. That is a miracle. I've tried it many times. It doesn't work if you just hit the sea with a stick. There's this meme where it speaks of a meme where Moses in the bath with a stick and then he hits the water and then the, the water parts in the bath and then the one kid who's bathing with him complains like, hey mom, it's Moses again. <laughs> Moses struck a rock and water came out just with a stick, water came out, it's, it's a miracle. Elijah made an axe float on water. He just threw a stick into the water and the axe started floating. So these things are available to us to glorify God. Not to glorify yourself, but to glorify God. But if you do not pursue these things, then God will not be glorified in the way that he should be glorified through you. Jesus paid his taxes with a coin from a fish's mouth. We would all love that. Go fishing. Bring me that fish. I'll take out the coin and I'll pay my taxes. And we also know that he he fed the multitude. So we're so aware of these miraculous stories, but somehow we don't believe that God wants to do it through us. Because we have unbelief. We do not want God to work through us because we're scared of what he might do. Number six, gift of prophecy. It's a supernatural ability to speak forth the mind and counsel of God. Prophecy has two components, is foretelling and forthtelling. Foretelling is, like I said last time, it's, the, it's like, hey, the Springboks will win the World Cup. Forthtelling is going to Meshach, hey, Meshach, we don't have a backup for Marnie Libok. You're going to be the Springbok fly-off in the World Cup final. That is forthtelling. So as we speak, we create with our words. God, when he created the universe, he said, let it be, and it happened. 
all that we can see around us was spoken into being with these words. We carry the very Ruach breath that was breathed into us at creation. We carry that with us. So if we speak, it has power. It has power to curse and power to give life. Examples, all the messianic prophecies in the Old Testament, so many of them. Basically, we have a book of prophetic declarations. Christianity is built, and that's what Ephesians talks of, it's built on the foundations of the prophets and the apostles. So we need to take serious this gift of prophecy. In Jeremiah, Jeremiah is prophesying that Israel will go into exile, and then for 70 years they will be there, and then Daniel picks up the book of Jeremiah, and he prays into this, hey Lord, we're already at our seventh 17th year, make it happen, the Lord, Lord, make it happen. So there's also a beautiful picture of how to steward your prophetic word. So sometimes we think, okay, God's going to speak to us and it's just going to happen. And often it works like that. But then there's also that component of stewardship. If God says, hey, you're a Springbok rugby player, but you never get yourself into a rugby game, you're never going to know if it's really going to happen. You, God says, hey, I want you to get into the service delivery business, but all you do is you just work in a dentist as a what, whatever you want to do. So you need to position yourself. You need to steward sometimes just the prophetic word. Matthew 21, Jesus curses the fig tree. That is forth telling. Say, hey, you're dead. And when they walk past again, they, the fig tree is dead. We see the Agabus prophesied about a severe famine. And it happened. Acts 19 verse 6, it's the Holy Spirit coming to the disciples and they start speaking in tongues and they start prophesying. Just again, that example of the Holy Spirit coming, giving gifts. Paul speaks to Timothy and he says, According to the prophecies given to you, wage the good warfare, the good fight of faith. So have you received prophecies and have you given prophetic words? If you've received those, then steward them well by bringing them before the Lord. Say, Lord, listen here. Hey, devil, listen here. This is what God says about me. And sometimes it's not, hey, this is who you're going to marry, or this is the car you need to drive, or this is where you're going to stay. It's just general direction. I know that the prophetic word over my life, it's, it's embedded in my name. My name means scream. And it was given to my granddad when a blind guy walked into, into the mission station where he was born in Nigeria, and the blind man said, Amor, which means scream, and then he said this. He will be his father's voice. So growing up, my mom would say, hey, you are the father's voice. You are the father's voice. And everybody speaking my name over me, it becomes a prophetic word. So when the devil says, hey, Amor, you're not the father's voice, I'm like, I am the father's voice. This is what I'm called to do. I am... In my prophetic word, I'm in, in my prophetic destiny. In 
in Acts 2, it speaks of the Holy Spirit and what it will do to us. It says, I will, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Peter is quoting the prophetic word from the prophecy from Joel, prophet of Joel. It says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. So not only the one great prophetic guy that you know in the white suit, but everybody has this gift. And just to give you another example, friends that we relate to that as a prophetic roundtable in 2014, they received this word. And just think in the context of the coronavirus. So this is written 2014 on a blog post, friends of ours. In the vision, many people became ill with what seemed similar to the SARS outbreak in the early 2000s. So you had that wrong. It should be, I don't know, 2020s. It will also start in China and quickly spread globally. The word Italy was heard and it will impact as far as Europe. Italy was the biggest hit country when it came to the coronavirus, the first country to be really impacted by the coronavirus. Most of these plagues and pests will only have a regional impact, but the SARS-like one will again have a global impact. We also saw a global economic crisis because of the SARS-like virus coming. Please make sure that you take the necessary precautions like having your dog vaccinated against rabies, etc. So this is a prophetic thing that this guy wrote in his blog. And when traveling to, traveling to other nations, specifically the East, be careful of what you eat. 1 Corinthians 14.1, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially that you might prophesy. Why prophesy? Because in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3, it says that prophetic, the prophetic gift will encourage, it will build up, and it will comfort. So the gift of miracles might become a selfish thing, but the gift of prophecy will always build up the people around you. 